You're listening to Show Your Work, the literary podcast that breaks very short prose down into even smaller pieces. I'm excited to share with you today Michael Torres' story, Short Stories. Um, it's actually not a story. It is a piece of Flash CNF. It was published on Paper Darts last year. Short Stories is a collection of vignettes that are tied together by themes of masculinity and violence. Here's Mike. Violence was a part of where I grew up, but even though I wasn't necessarily violent myself, it kind of showed the speaker in that world. I'm 16 at the indoor swap meet, and the angry vato in front of me keeps telling me who he knows, where those people he knows are from, and what they'll do to me and my homies. I tell him we could both call all the people we know and see what happens next. I remember a professor telling me way early on, I think at community college, he was saying like, if something doesn't seem that it fits, just shelf it and you know, just don't toss it out. I think for me, this flash CNF is that. There was a short story that was called Suicide. I couldn't really revise it to where I wanted to, so I just shelved that story. And then these other anecdotes, like the one about the kid putting his brother's gun in my face. That was a poem I tried writing years ago and I, I still haven't gotten it. Putting these together wasn't just like a way for me to put them together and like be done with these anecdotes, but a way for me to think through this and think through the idea of violence. I don't know, I just found it fascinating that like different types of people trying to get along just couldn't do it. But we end up in the parking lot, Jesse swinging a mini bat, me trying to get between Danny and one of the soldiers the rest of the guests staring from their open doors. A funny thing about the New Year's Eve hotel fight, I was standing on the second floor, like balcony area watching them fight and I didn't want to go fight, but I went down there to get between Danny and the guy because I could see from where I was, Danny picked up the guy and like dropped him on a car and then they slid and rolled off the car and the guy ended up on top of Danny and wanted to do like some kind of weird stomping maneuver on him. So I ran down there and I got between them, and by that time, the fight was pretty much over. For a few years after that, my friends, they weren't mad that I didn't get in the fight. I think we were too good of friends for them to get mad at that, like to call me a pussy or a bitch or something. But for years after that, they kept calling me the peacemaker. I don't know if they still do, but they did. Through the playgrounds where we ran in circles, and then into manhood and motel parking lots. Those stories of taut limbs swinging that our brothers showed us. I started writing around the time I turned 18. I got caught doing graffiti on a rooftop at an indoor swap meet. And so then I kind of quit, but I needed to do some other kind of, I needed to express myself creatively another way. At the time I was really into like Tupac and he had the Rosette Grew from the Concrete poetry book. And I was like, oh, this rapper is a poet. So I started keeping a notepad in my back pocket. And I think I kept the pencil on my ear so everyone would know I'm a poet or a writer. In a short story I titled Suicide After a Childhood Game, I recounted elementary school as a fifth and sixth grade me who spent recess with friends on a handball court, hurling and kicking a red dodgeball at the wall, waiting for it to bounce back. In the game, if you dropped the ball, you had to run the gauntlet of 10 and 11 year old arms and legs swinging for your body. I was in college, away from home, reminiscing on my roots. I wrote in a chubby boy named Gregory I knew from those days. What's interesting is that like I wrote in myself as like beating up this kid Gregory and I'm pretty sure I never even did that. 
Um, I like to think that I didn't even really hit anybody that hard, but that's just me like reinventing another story. In the story, he played to be one of us. I beat him before he could get to the wall so that he crawled off the court to the sound of the ball bouncing around again while children applauded his tolerance, his boyhood manhood. In the end, he switched schools and I never saw him again. I think after the name The Peacemaker, they started calling me The Sensitive Poet. I think I knew early on that I had to own it and let them make fun of me if they did, because they did. They made fun of me, but they never said, don't do that. It's like, I don't know, I just, I kept doing it. I think I wanted to record what was going on in our, in our lives. I remember a friend told me when my first chapbook came out and he got it in the mail, he told me, you have, you have to write a book about us so that they, they know who we are. And it was just really funny because we, he didn't say who they were, but I knew who they was. But I couldn't separate him from the story. I didn't want to. He became what happened, the story I wanted to tell. To be honest, my flash CNF is just poems that I didn't know how to line break. I don't want to be like, this can jump back and forth between genres, but maybe it can. The funny thing is, I think if I tried to pull this off in a poem, like if I, in my mind, called it a poem, I wouldn't be able to do it. I I think there's too many anecdotes that I'm trying to string in here. Doing it in creative nonfiction, it allowed me to not be worried about that. It could just be this, this image of this kid with um, a gun in his face, and then the other images could do the same on their own, but slowly there's like a th- this thread of violence or about how to be a man in a certain place and time in your life. I think the end is like, I don't want to say my conclusion or resolu- resolution. It's maybe my most reflective. And that was for maybe myself and maybe the audience. My friends, I think they're proud of me. I had always wanted to write about home. And it's not until these last couple of years have have like, I don't know. It's an interesting time for me to be who I am. And now we have Mike reading his essay in its entirety. Again, it's called Short Stories. Here we go. Short Stories. Look at this. When I was five, my best friend Ruben Cabrera showed me the gun belonging to his big brother, a guy from an up-and-coming gang in the neighborhood that was gaining notoriety for its acts of violence against older, bigger gangs. In the tool shed with a door cracked just enough for the sunlight to slide in, Ruben brought the black gun up so that it seemed to hover over my nose, and behind it, in the dark, an excited voice fired out, Cool, huh? Playing Suicide. In a short story I titled Suicide after a childhood game, I recounted elementary school as a fifth and sixth grade me who spent recess with friends on a handball court, hurling and kicking a red dodgeball at the wall, waiting for it to bounce back. In the game, if you dropped the ball, you had to run the gauntlet of 10 and 11-year-old arms and legs swinging for your body. I was in college, away from home, reminiscing on my roots. I wrote in a chubby boy named Gregory I knew from those days. He was the kind of kid who, like all of us, wanted to be accepted, but kept his polo shirt tucked in because his mother sent him to school that way. In the story, he played to be one of us. I beat him before he could get to the wall so that he crawled off the court to the sound of the ball bouncing around again while children applauded his tolerance, his boyhood manhood. 
In the end, he switched schools and I never saw him again. What you gonna do now? I'm 16 at the indoor swap meet and the angry vato in front of me keeps telling me who he knows, where those people he knows are from and what they'll do to me and my homies. I tell him we could both call all the people we know and see what happens next. It's simple, I explain. In this town, everybody knows somebody, so it doesn't matter who you know. I'm aware of my breathing, the sweat of my palms. He walks away saying, watch, bitch, before disappearing among parked cars. Smart red mouths. New Year's Eve 2005. Me and the guys are 19 and drunk at the Lemon Tree Motel. After our friend Laura invites some young marine friends of hers without telling us, our friend Vela gets an idea on how to get them to leave. What are you looking at? He tells them from across the room. Then, you think I'm cute? It works, but we end up in the parking lot, Jesse swinging a mini bat, me trying to get between Danny and one of the soldiers, the rest of the guests staring from their open doors. What we're left with. I revisited the suicide piece a year later. I thought about what happened on that handball court. I wondered how things ended with me and Gregory in real life, and it took me a moment to remember that he was never there, that he never played or even got close to the handball court. But I couldn't separate him from the story. I didn't want to. He became what happened, the story I wanted to tell. Red Ball Bounce I think about the shadows we stood in, the dark shapes we still feel hovering, those deeper voices behind us, taller, stronger, that we couldn't say no to. How we took with us into tool sheds, through the playgrounds where we ran in circles, and then into manhood and motel parking lots, those stories of taut limbs swinging that our brothers showed us, how we keep passing these stories down with our knuckles. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to Show Your Work. Thanks to Mike Torres for letting me interview him and run this story. If you want to find a link to Mike's essay, you can go into the show notes and it'll take you to paperdarts.com, a great literary magazine where you can read his story and many others. You can find his other work online too, and you should read that. Um, Our theme was produced by me, your host, Tyler Barton, and I'll be back soon with another episode. So in the meantime, keep writing and stay tuned. Thanks.